It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What is going on, guys? And Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Bill Rossetti, Panthers, why hit you guys back up as we are... Continuing on with the divisional draft previews, we're getting things going here in the AFC East, and I am so glad to be joined by my good buddy, my old partner in crime, Mr. Ian Wharton, the man joining me. Ian, what's going on, man? It's like old times, getting the band yeah. back together. Yeah, for sure, man. No, excited to get back on with you, and uh, things are good, man. We're got like a well, like nine days left something like that before the draft and the rumors are starting to heat up and starting to be like that silly season where you know who knows what's real and what's not but uh-huh. i mean i think it's shaping up to be a pretty dramatic top of the draft and and that's that's where everybody wins except for you know the teams that obviously make the wrong decisions uh-huh. but we all win at least on draft day because it's exciting yeah i mean it's crazy you know the the uh, rumor that we had earlier of that three-team deal, the rumored three-team deal between the Giants, Bills, and Cleveland Browns, it's like, what the hell are we doing? Yeah, yeah, we got to gotta do a better job of trusting who to listen to on stuff like that. <laughs> That's a, you know, come on now. <laughs> yeah. It's not the NBA here. It's like, you know, we love the build-up to the draft, but... Yeah, the last like week or so is always the worst. It is. It gets rough, and you know, I think I think there'll be a lot of trades, um, but I, I just I mean, come on to to think that the Browns are gonna the Browns are gonna Brown sometimes, but I mean that's that's really to to suggest that they would trade down from one and four, you know, it's that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, giving up one and four to slide down to two, like wait a minute. Yeah, it, like, it just why would it, they do that? Yeah, yeah, it's too much, too much going on, too, too much overthinking, too much speculation. It's just like, all right, guys, they're they're probably gonna pick up both one and four, pick up their quarterback, pick up you know another impact player, and mm-hmm. and they'll be happy with that. That's that's exactly what they need. They don't really need more picks. They need elite players. Yeah. Uh, for those that are kind of new to the podcast, um, Ian and I, of course, did a podcast together for two seasons. Uh, it was a good, good fun time, and then of course, you know, we both got more success. I guess uh, Ian's certainly doing well over Bleach Report, and his cornerback guide just came out. So, obviously, very happy for Ian. And you know, in a way, I've kind of done well for myself too. I guess so I've kind of grown my wings. So it's it's definitely worked out for the both of us. I'd say. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. It's awesome to see you 
having success and, uh, you know, continuing with podcasting and, and just improving. And so, you know, definitely though, you're right though, man, it was fun. We, we did have a good two seasons and, uh, you know, I think that what we were able to see in those two years, I mean, these last two years have been crazy, um, you know, previous to this last one. So, I mean, it really didn't stop this year, obviously with, with the Eagles winning and, uh, with a backup quarterback. So. Yeah, I know, man. Like, <laughs> it's like, man, what is, what is 2018 going to bring for us now? Dude, and I'll tell you this much. I was like a kid in the candy store when that <laughs> happened. I know I this is Panthers podcast, but I mean, every, everybody that knows me knows that I am an Eagles fan. But in, in a way, that's a good thing because at least you know you're getting like unbiased commentary on, on the Panthers. It's not like I'm a fanboy coming in here saying, oh, yeah, these, all these players are great, blah, blah, blah. You know, so if you didn't know, well, the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so we're going to continue our division previews. And I thought, who better than Ian to talk about the AFC East? So, as always, we're going to go through each team in order of where they're picking in the first round. So we'll start with the New York Jets picking at number three. And, you know, we, we t- just talked about how all these rumors and whatnot are floating around, but it really does seem like the Jets are locked in on Baker Mayfield at number three, and I don't think anything's going to change with the first two picks that's going to make that pick any different. So it, it, it feels like Mayfield's going to be the pick for the Jets. How does he fit with the Jets, and then what do the Jets do after uh, taking Bayfield, assuming they do take uh, Baker, what do, what do they do the rest of the draft to kind of get Baker ready or kind of get that team ready? Because they they still have a lot of pieces that need they need to work on. Yeah, so I, I think you're right. I mean, I think that everything seems to be aligning, and you know, it'd probably be Baker Mayfield. And I think that's a good choice uh, for them. I I actually would wouldn't mind also seeing them go for maybe someone with maybe a little bit more developmental upside. Um, and that's nothing against Baker, but I think Baker, although he has areas to improve, I think he's a guy that can anticipate a little bit better. He can test tight windows a little bit more frequently. Um, and I think that he's a guy that instead of just going for big plays, sometimes he's a take what's given to him. Uh, but that, you know, again, all these quarterbacks are going to have question marks on him and that's just happens to be his, but he's a good fit though, as far as for their system. Um, it's like a West coast system with air raid. Um, type principles and he has the arm definitely for a west coast system and he had an offense that was uh, similar to an air raid with um, down there in Oklahoma so I think that Jeremy Bates can continue what John Morton did last year uh, which is the expectation there you know he's going to be the third quarterback on the depth chart so ideally in their mind that he's not going to see the field in 2018 um, which is why I actually think a guy like you know Lamar Jackson would make a lot of sense for them too but um Mayfield's a fiery dude and I understand it like he is a maniac in the sense that like I'm sure he's going to do whatever it takes to be good um even with his potential flaws and limitations um I still think he's going to be an above average quarterback I'd probably say like Case Keenum um like a better Chase Daniel that type of player and it's not meant to be a knock like that's meant to be a compliment especially in today's NFL so um, I do think it's the right decision to to go with the quarterback there. I didn't mind their trade up. I know some people hated it um, because obviously three seconds in addition to just moving up a couple spots, it, it has a high sticker shock value. But the reality is that this team couldn't afford to sit at five. Um, or I'm sorry, not at five. Um, six. At six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they couldn't afford to sit at six. Like mm-hmm. they, they had to make something happen. 
they had to trade because if it wasn't them, it was going to be someone else. And that's just not how you build a successful team. So I give them credit um, for, for cutting their losses on Christian Hackenberg, uh, for not continuing to, to think that he's the answer there. Um, so they, you know, and then like you said, like, so kind of moving forward, like without those extra second round picks, they still do have, uh, I think they still have a second round pick, if I'm correct. Um, double check that. But so looking at their roster, uh, you know, they're definitely a team that is lacking playmakers on the outside. Quincy Inunua is a tremendous talent. Uh, Robbie Anderson is, is quite the talent as well. But those guys also haven't really proven themselves. Uh, Jermaine Curse was a nice trade pickup in the slot. They signed Terrell Pryor. But I still think with Inunua coming off an injury, Robbie Anderson, uh, charges were dropped against him. So that's great for his uh, future with the team. But Curse, you know, Curse is a nice player too. But these are these are a lot of role players. Like these are guys that I'm naming off that are ideally number two, number three receivers. None of these guys is a number one receiver. I don't know that they're going to have the chance at getting a guy like Cortland Sutton um, early on because you know obviously they would. I think they they're going to have to move up for him, and I don't really think that they're going to have the ammunition or be able to devote that many resources to that. But I would definitely look at a receiver in the middle rounds. It seems like they have like twenty receivers on their roster that are actually kind of like. <laughs> you know, those depth guys, but can they find a guy in the mid rounds, maybe like a Traquan Smith from UCF, I think would be a really interesting addition. Um, Equanimous St. Brown, and I'm sure I messed that up multiple times, Um, but he's another guy, big physical guy, fast, very raw in his development, definitely not ready for the big stage um, as far as his first year, but he's a guy that maybe you can stash for a year or two. Um, you know, again, third, fourth round type of range, and maybe you can come up with something there. Um, they've tried to add some deep threats in past years, but injuries have kind of taken them out of it. Maybe they want to add another deep threat behind Robbie Anderson if they don't trust him. DJ Chark out of LSU, Darren Carrington out of Utah, formerly of, of Oregon as well, would be those types of guys. So I think they've got a lot of options. Um, they don't necessarily have to go um, there on day two. Um, I think that they're they're probably going to be looking at that position more on day three. Um, and then the rest of their draft, I mean, the defense is, is is mostly set. They don't really have much of an edge-rushing presence. That would be my other big complaint. But the rest of the defense is, is pretty well stacked um, on every single level. I, I like the additions of, of Avery Williamson, Darren Lee moving over to the weak side linebacker, a little bit more of that type of role. That's great. So their key is going to be finding some outside uh, linebackers who can rush the passer. Um, I think maybe – they're going to be able to find that round two, round three. You know, it's great if you can get an elite guy, but it's just this class just doesn't really have that. Uh, Yuchenna Nuosu out of USC was an extremely productive guy. Um, I think he would be pretty interesting there. Uh, Marquise Haynes out of Ole Miss could potentially be an early day three guy. Kamiko Ture, uh, big draft, draft Twitter favorite out of Rutgers. I think he'd be another guy as well. So it's not a great edge rusher class, and that's going to hurt them. Uh, that's why it kind of works that they're taking a quarterback early, but that'd be the other spot um, outside of offensive line. And offensive line is just pretty much something that you could say for every team. Um, maybe get like a tackle at some point just to be like the future position. But again, it's kind of like edge rusher. There's, it's just not a terrific edge rushing class on day two. It's not a great tackle class either. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm just looking at the uh, the draft chart right now. Jets pick at number three, and then they don't pick again until 72. Okay. Uh, they do have a pick in rounds three through seven, so okay. still in so, yeah, okay I mean, shape. I, yeah, they are. And, I mean, 72, you can still get a good player. Maybe that's where you're looking at the pass rusher because uh, mm-hmm. you probably have to get somebody who can play right away. Um, then on day three, you're just going to load up on value guys, um, either at receiver or offensive line, um, and fill out, like, the depth. It's, it's, it's really hard to complain about day three picks. Like, you want to hit on them, but they're really just flyer picks for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, so yeah, that, that third round pick though, that's going to end up being pretty valuable for them. And you talked about, um, you know, what they gave up in the trade and we'll get to that in a little bit when we get to Buffalo, but let's go to the team you've been following closely over the years, uh, the Miami dolphins. And we know they're probably in the market for a quarterback. They're sitting at number 11, probably can't afford to sit down there and wait because probably one of the quarterbacks might not fall there unless something wacky happens and Josh Rosen starts to slip a little bit. But do you get the sense that Miami wants to trade up for a quarterback or would they rather sit at 11 and try to find some other piece? And if they don't trade up for a quarterback, will they eventually go after a quarterback at some point in this draft later on? Yeah. You know, I, it makes sense that they would want a quarterback. Um, obviously Ryan Tannehill coming off a knee injury, uh, missing, you know, a season plus because of that knee injury. That's really tough. Um, but at the end of the day, they restructured him, I think for a reason. And they basically guaranteed this season, uh, for him. And, and it's going to be, uh, tough to get rid of him even next year if they, if they wanted to, because, you know, at least half of his money is guaranteed next year for him. So yeah, I'm, I'm a Ryan Tannehill fan. I do think that they should hold on to him. And, and I think that, but on the other hand, too, he's going to be 30 years old. He's an athletic quarterback coming off of what they consider as two different ACL injuries. Um, now, he's never been injured before that, and that's great. But, you know, I, I do think that they need to be cognizant of the real risk that if he is not 100%, they might have the, oppor- the better opportunity this year uh, to go ahead and, and find his replacement. So I don't I think you're right. I don't think that they're going to be super aggressive. In, in addressing the position, I don't think that at 11, they're a huge threat um, necessarily. But I, I will say that he, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Miami and Adam Gase, Gase, he may feel like if Rosen falls to six, seven, eight, especially like seven and eight, maybe it's worth tossing two third rounders um, and going to get Josh Rosen. So, you know, for example, if it is Josh Rosen, and I do think that it will be Josh Rosen if it's anybody. So, you know, I I think it'd be a smart decision. As much as I like Ryan Tannehill, I love Josh Rosen. Um, I do think he would be the right fit for this team. Um, I'm I'm a little bit skeptical, though, um, that he will actually – fall past six because I think six is when you start to hit that money spot. And you talked about Buffalo. I think that would make a lot of sense for Buffalo. So, um, so I'll say that Miami is going to stay tight at 11 and they're going to take a backup quarterback 
in later rounds, especially like I think third round is really going to be um, like that sweet spot. Maybe like a Mike White, Kyle Laletta, guys like that, guys who are high-end backups potentially um, and not going to come in and, and really disrupt what Miami's got going on. And it allows them to kind of focus in the first two rounds on getting guys who can impact the, the team right now. So, so let's talk about that quick too. So the, they're staying at 11. Well, let, let's assume they'll stay at 11. What's going to be the option there? Could it be Mika Fitzpatrick if he falls? Could it be a defensive tackle like maybe uh, Vita Vea or somebody? Is there another position that they could be eyeing with that pick? Yeah, I, th- I think Vea is definitely going to be an interesting guy. I think if Minka's on the board, um, it kind of depends on uh, what happens as far as like who's that guy, like who's that one talent. So ideally for Miami, what will happen is four quarterbacks will go in the top ten. Uh, and then that will lead to either Roquan Smith, Tremaine Edmonds, um, potentially a guy like Quentin Nelson. I don't think that Nelson will fall um, quite that far. Maybe Derwin James. Um, I think a guy like that, if one of those types of players can fall, then I think Miami will avoid reaching on a guy like Leighton Vanderesh. I think that Vanderesh is a little bit of a reach there. Um, Marcus Davenport is a little bit of a reach. Harold, Harold Landry is another guy that I think that they would, they would very much entertain taking. I think Vita Vea is a little bit of a reach as well. Um, so ideally for them, who's the elite player that's going to fall to them? I think Roquan Smith has to be number one on their board. I think that Quentin Nelson's another guy has to be number one, number two on their board. Um, and if those guys are on the board, you know, if those guys are there, I think you just got to take them. And if not, then you start looking at, okay, I'd probably say you look at the linebacker position first, and, and Edmonds would be a guy that I think they'd really like. Worst case scenario, um, I think they would probably take Minka over Vita Vea if they were presented with the two choices. Um, but some of that may also hinge on, you know, they, they hosted Kenny Vaccaro about a week ago as a free agent. And so and that to me tells me that they want to get a little bit more versatile at the position uh, of safety and linebacker and maybe be a little bit more hybrid. And so I think they would take a linebacker if, if they have the opportunity. And just real quick, too, you brought up Vander Esch. I just want to get your thoughts, too, on the the reports that came out today. You know, obviously, we, depending on when we upload this, we're uploading this Monday. Um, the report that came out that Vander Esch, you know, has the injury concerns and reportedly some teams are taking him off their board. What was your reaction to that? Yeah, it's it's always tough with that type of stuff, just because we don't we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it. I, I hope that's not the case, obviously, for him, uh, because he's a guy that's been considered as a first round lock here for a little while, and for good reason. Um, you know, that would be uh, be a really tough blow, and I think it'd be a tough blow to this class as well, not just for the player, but you know, this class seems to drop off pretty quickly after. He's going to be gone, um, so it's it's going to be, you know, kind of like a Miles Jack situation, maybe where he falls to day two, and as he's developing, you know, we kind of forget about him a little bit because he does need development, um, similar to Jack, and I kind of graded him similarly to Jack, uh, great athlete, and he kind of has to learn the nuance of the position. So I, I hope it's not true, um, but the reality is that you know that stuff does happen. Buffalo Bills are sitting right behind Miami at number 12, and of course they also pick 22, and we know Buffalo wants to move up 
for a quarterback, possibly Josh Allen if he somehow slips. You know, now the rumors that Cleveland might end up taking Josh Allen. You also mentioned, again, with the Jets, how they traded three second-round picks to the Colts. Does that mean the price skyrockets? Like, What is it going to take now for the Bills to move up to, say, pick six, pick four, or even pick number two, as has been speculated, if Buffalo wants to get a quarterback? Again, presumably Josh Allen. And also, what, what could happen if Cleveland does take Josh Allen? How is that going to affect Buffalo's strategy? Yeah, things get really crazy because, I mean, not only does the price go up, I think, just out of supply and demand at the quarterback position, but there's also several other reasons. I mean, there's there's a lot of teams below Buffalo. Um, I meant, you know, I, I can kind of say that I think that the class depth does not favor Buffalo here. Um, once you kind of get out of like that, those top eight picks and, you know, kind of talked about it with Miami, Miami's going to have to get lucky to get an elite player. And Buffalo's in a similar situation. If someone's moving down, I don't think the Giants have any incentive to move down. I don't think Cleveland at four has any incentive to move down. Those teams should want elite players. And if you're moving down to 11, or I'm sorry, past 11, you're not going to get an elite player. And so if I'm Buffalo, my offer of 12, 22, even next year's first, and even two second rounders, let's say, I don't think I'd really be that interested in that because I want Bradley Chubb. I want Saquon Barkley. I want the high-end playmakers, Quentin Nelson. Those guys are true impact players, and I just don't think you're going to get that type of quality. Um, You can get some really good players, sure, but those teams are in different situations. Like It's not like Indianapolis, where Indianapolis should honestly take a look at that. They should look at 12, 22, um, let's maybe not next year's first in that offer, but maybe it's the two second round picks that they own this year. And I would take that as the Colts because they need talent throughout the roster. They don't just need one player. Um, and to, to stack that with what the Jets got, that would make a lot of sense to me. Um, so I, I, I think that they are going to be capped as far as how that high they can go. Um, but going, moving up to six should also be a little bit more affordable for teams like um, Arizona, and for the Patriots, if they want to come up for a quarterback. So it, it puts Buffalo in a tough spot. Everyone knows that they have all these assets, and they know that they they basically almost have to pay a lot unless if they're going to take Lamar Jackson at 12. And if that's the case, then they're fine. They can just sit tight. And I, I actually think that's probably a, a very attractive situation. Uh, it should be at least for them, and they may not view it that way. Uh, but if Josh Allen goes first, I, I don't think it really affects them too much just from the standpoint of, they're in a tough position because the only other quarterback they can play on the roster is A.J. McCarron, and the rookie that they draft will be as unproven as A.J. McCarron. So it's not like they paid A.J. Um, starters money. They paid him backup money, and um, they, they're they they they're going to be viewed as desperate, and I think teams will be kind of aggressive in, in you know exploiting that. But the reality is that they, they just kind of have to pay the price this year. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line, or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? 
Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. And Lamar Jackson would be would be an interesting fit there at 12. And, you know, there's definitely more rumblings. The beginning of the draft season, Lamar Jackson wasn't really viewed as a as a first-round talent. But now it seems like, you know, you mentioned with the supply and demand of quarterbacks, he might get pushed into the first round. And there's a bunch of teams, you know, even teams like Arizona at 15 is rumored to have interest. Uh, the Chargers at 17 are rumored to have interest. We know Tom Brady just came out and kind of gave his stamp of approval on Lamar Jackson and, you know, New England, and, and we'll kind of segues right into New England sitting at 23 and 31. It's an interesting debate now that's been going on, whether New England keeps those two picks and just drafts two players to win now, knowing that the window could be closing with Tom Brady or do they package those deals and move up for a high-impact player? Or maybe if someone like a Josh Rosen starts to slip a little bit, does New England pounce? Do they make an offer with, say, you know, San Francisco at 9, Chicago at 8? You know, it's uh, there's definitely a lot of possibilities. Or even just to move into the top 15 if they want a guy like Lamar Jackson. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of variables in play. Uh, when it when it comes to the Patriots, and it's almost unfair to say because it's the Patriots, but it, they're definitely one of the they'll definitely be one of the teams to watch. I think in this first round. So, just your thoughts on what New England can do with the two picks, or the chances that they can move up, and what positions they could be looking at. Yeah, now I think for them it it really does depend on what quarterbacks falling because they would have to invest so much in moving up. They have to be a lot pickier than Buffalo because I think Buffalo is probably going to look at this and be happy with any of the top four or five quarterbacks, um, especially the top four. Mm-hmm. Whereas New England, because they are going to have to leverage both of those first round picks and probably next year's first round pick. I, th- I think that's a lot. I mean, I, it makes sense for Rosen to me because Rosen's my top quarterback in this class. And I think he would really be phenomenal um, with Josh McDaniels, but you know, I, otherwise, I'm not sure that they need to move all the way up for a quarterback. They can, you know, we kind of talked about Lamar Jackson. They can probably just try to hop Arizona, and that might just cost them their two first-round picks. And they can save next year's first-round pick for Lamar Jackson if that's the guy that they want. So, but I mean, it's extremely attractive for them. Um, if they're not a team that's flagged uh, Vanderash, I think he would make a lot of sense for them. Um, I would also be looking at, you know possibly receiver uh dj moore out of maryland trading brandon cooks that creates a huge hole uh do they want to get more of an edge rushing presence maybe marcus davenport still on the board i don't think he will be but it's possible um you know maybe a guy like uh you know i'm not a big fan of his tape but colton miller mm-hmm. out of ucla the offensive tackle they definitely tackle help maybe not first round because they did end up taking one last year um, in the middle rounds, maybe they've developed him, but you know Miller's a guy. He's a great athlete. You know Dante Starnecchia is one of the best offensive line coaches in NFL history. 
what can he do with a pure athlete like that? Maybe he can turn him into a stud. Connor Williams out of Texas. You know, it's going to be um, it's going to be limited, right? I mean, they're picking low in the first round for a reason, and so they're not going to necessarily get a sure thing stud. Uh, but one of these two positions, I think, has to go to tackle, and I wouldn't be surprised for the other one if they don't trade up for a quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised if we see maybe like a cornerback. Um, Eric Rose, a nice player, and so is uh, Jason McCourty, and and obviously Stephon Gilmore's locked into place. But you know, you just never know if they want more depth back there. They've devoted a lot of resources to the defensive backfield. Um, Rose coming up on a contract year next year, so you know it, that's just the type of mindset that they need to take. That you know McCourty's a band aid, and Rowe they've been playing in the slot, so maybe they want a developmental guy. Maybe they want um, an offensive lineman to help bolster that unit. Maybe they need a playmaker. Like they're always tough to, to nail because like that, you know, and they also need pass rushing help too. But as we talked about, there's, there's not a great depth of pass rushers. So if Belichick has his work cut out for him, um, I'd tell you what, moving up for a quarterback with Brady still in tow would be pretty tough. Um, I think that's a tough sell as much as I like these other quarterbacks. Um, to trade Garoppolo and then to move all those assets to find a Garoppolo replacement is is just it's not very Patriot way. <laughs> um, I think it makes more sense for them to sit, sit tight where they're at, um, and you know maybe they draft Mason Rudolph. I wouldn't be a fan of that, but you know maybe they draft Mason Rudolph or someone with that second first round pick. But um, yeah, they this team needs impact players now, and so. Personally, I would not worry about the future. I would just build for right now mm-hmm. uh, because of Brady's presence. But I don't know. Belichick's always kind of operated under, you know, we're going to build for now and the future. Yep. And they've made it work, obviously. So I can't, I'm not one to criticize them. I can't say much. Um, but it, it looks on face value, unless if they can go up and get Rosen, if he's the guy they love, it really just makes sense to me to sit tight and, and take the best available players. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned. Uh, Mason Rudolph and certainly a guy like Kyle Lalletta is also somebody that's been linked pretty heavily, at, at least maybe by draft Twitter, linked pretty heavily by or to the Patriots, I should say. Would yeah. taking him with the sixty third because I've seen a couple of mock drafts taking him as high as that sixty third pick overall. Would that be too high, or do you think that's kind of the point where if they want a guy like Lalletta, they would have to go after him? Yeah, you know, I, I think that is where they're probably going to have to take him. Um, that's a little rich for my blood, but I also understand it. Um, you know, that's just kind of how this stuff works as, as those guys get p- pushed up. He does share some similar traits to Jimmy G. Um, now, granted, I, I really like Jimmy G coming out. So, you know, I'm not huge on Loretta. I think Loretta is kind of like that, that Andy Dalton type. Um, you're, you know, you're kind of limited with what you're going to get with him. Um, and, to, you know, I, I'm not really investing a top. 64 to 75 pick on a player like that but i i get it i get why the league will um they're more willing to to deal with that um his limitations so and maybe maybe i'll just be wrong on him but uh, i do think you're right i think that's probably more likely than them addressing the position overly early Mm -hmm. uh one last thing before we get here um obviously you're big on the cornerbacks you just posted your nfl cornerback guide so i'm sure you've done a lot of work on the draft cornerbacks, give us kind of your overall view on this group of cornerbacks in this NFL draft. 
Yeah, it's an interesting group. Like, I don't think there's anyone like Marshawn Lattimore last year. I don't think that there's a Marlon Humphrey or a Trey White. Um, it's a it's a deep group though. Like, it's it's a quality group again. We've kind of seen that for the last couple of years, where these these groups coming out is really going to help bolster the league. Um, there's not a ton of size available in this group. Uh, you're kind of getting you know a little bit more of smaller cornerbacks, more nickel cornerbacks. Um, which is fine. I think that's how the NFL has kind of gotten that way. Like you need slot corners, you need guys who are more agile than straight line fast. And, and so like that makes sense. But like, I'm looking at like Denzel Ward. I think he's easily the top corner in this class. Um, there's a lot of kind of, kind of zone corners. And I would say like Josh Jackson, Isaiah Oliver, um, guys like that. Mike Hughes is a, a more of a press guy. So he's kind of in there with, um, Denzel Ward, where he's he's very talented, very athletic, but he's a smaller guy. He's you know sub five eleven, and so a lot of teams aren't going to love that. A lot of teams are going to be looking at these zone corners, Carlton Davis, Quentin Meeks. Um, you know these guys are big, they're physical. Holton Hill is tremendously talented out of Texas, big physical. I mean he's, he's awesome to watch, but he also has major off field issues. And so he has to prove that he's trustworthy. But yeah, I, I think that the, there's a lack of well-rounded guys um, that really check all the boxes. And that's not to say that Denzel Ward, Jair, Alexander, those guys can be great. Um, it's just they don't – they're not necessarily going to fit uh, every every single team's measurement quota. And like you look at like Green Bay, Green Bay des- desperately needs a corner. Um, but they, those guys don't really match up physically with what they look for traditionally. So it's going to be interesting to see if teams are willing to break their tendencies, um, you know, because if they are, they might get a heck of a football player. But you kind of get worried that they're going to fall in love with the measurements and, and maybe take a, a lesser player just because of that. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. I really appreciate you taking time here to come on and talk about the AFC East. Um let the listeners know where they can find you and anything else that you've got going on that you want to plug. Yeah. So on Twitter is the best way at NFL film study. Um, I also, you know, you kind of mentioned release the 2017, 2018 corner handbook. Um, it's a PDF file, um, that actually just also went on to Amazon as well. So I'm pretty excited for that. Um, and, and so it's a comprehensive look at, at the cornerback position, kind of prioritizing, the process of the position over the results of the position. I do. I charted all man routes in 2017 um, and, and looking at subjective ways and also objectively too, charting stats that you're not getting from other sources because a lot of what people cite is just interceptions, pass defenses, and tackles. Well, that doesn't really characterize what quality cornerback play is. Um, so I've included all of those numbers, exactly what guys gave up, um, exactly the context of which they gave it up, as far as alignments um, and effectiveness, breaking down on a weekly basis, there's subjective numbers in there. Um, how often were they within an, uh, an arm's length of a receiver, which is what many coaching staffs look at and consider successful coverage. So uh, it's been a process of something that I've looked at for several years. And this this year, just over 100 cornerbacks is what I looked at. So I had a lot bigger sample size than ever before. Charted slot corners for the first time ever. And so that really had some interesting results. Um that's available. You can find the link up on my Twitter as well. Um, you can get $5 off as well if you use promo code success rate um, at, at checkoff, one word, and it'll get you 5 bucks off. And then there's also a downloadable sampler as well on the site in case you just want to see what you'd actually be getting. So 
Um, it's just, it's like eight pages. It has a little bit of everything that's in it. Um, I also have scouting reports in there as well for every single corner in the book. Um, so there's a lot. There's 359 pages of information on just NFL corners. So I guarantee there's no type of analysis out there like this. It's good for fantasy football players or good for um, just just football nuts, people that just want to learn about the position. Um, I don't I don't think it's like an end all be all type of thing. You know, I don't claim for it to be an all encompassing grade or anything like that. But I think it, it's a, a way to look at the position in a different light that that people aren't really uh, currently looking at and, and professionals are. Awesome, man. Good stuff. Uh, like I said, really appreciate you coming on here and, uh, like I said, kind of re- rekindling old times. It was a good time to chat with you again, my friend. That was my pleasure, Bill. And uh, anytime, man, I think this will be an interesting uh, offseason here and interesting draft for the Panthers, too. So, you know, we'll definitely have to get back together here before the, the start of the regular season. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. As always, the listeners, thanks so much for listening. Really do appreciate it. Remember, you can find me on Twitter at Bill underscore Rossetti. That's R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E. And until next time, this is Bill Rossetti saying thanks for listening to the Locked On Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team every day. But for this particular day, I am out. And we'll see you next time right here on L-O-P. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.